0: Welcome to the Project Good Podcast. This is a social impact podcast, interviewing experts and advocates about the pressing problems that we face globally and hearing about how they suggest we move forward in the future. The Project Good Podcast is brought to you by Project Good Work. The goal of this podcast is to inspire people and organizations to develop a mindset that can move others to positive action regarding the complex social issues facing people on the planet. For March, we are focusing on the status of women, I have the pleasure today of interviewing Sharmili Majmadar, Executive Vice President of Policy and Organizational Impact at Women Employed, which is an advocacy organization for women in the workplace. The organization, since 1973, works with individuals, employers, educators, and policymakers to address the challenges women face in their jobs every day and to ensure all women can attain the skills they need for the jobs they want. Ms. Majmadar is a strategic leader committed to advancing gender equity, and social justice. She's passionate about women's rights and access to economic stability and has a heart for helping women. Let's get into the interview. First, let me introduce our guest, Ms. Sharmili Majmadara. Executive Vice President of Policy and Organizational Impact that Women Employed. As a strategic leader, she is committed to advancing gender equity and social justice. Ms. Maj Madara is passionate about women's rights and access to economic stability. In addition, she has a heart for helping women deal with the complexities of domestic violence. For many years, Ms. Maj Madara has advocated for minority groups, underserved communities, and the social and economic justice in the Chicago area. Miss Marj Madara has been awarded the Damien Award from the School of Social Work from La Jolla University Chicago for the liberation of communities from domestic and sexual violence and has been an Impact Award honoree from the Chicago Foundation for Women. It's my pleasure to welcome an individual with such a big heart. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Anne-Marie.
0: Night. Um, okay, so, uh, one of the things that I was, um, as I was, uh, researching and, and a little bit uh, about you and things, I, I noticed like you have such a, like, uh, yeah, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're so passionate about like all these issues for women and then, um, all the things that you're going out, like, uh, you know, you can see when somebody has just a, a a wonderful, like, just, you have a wonderful heart, (laughs) you know, I don't know you that, that much, but I can already, I already um, can see it just from all the things that you have um, been involved in. I guess what fuels your passion for women and social justice issues?
1: Oh, that's a great question, Anne-Marie. And I would say that I see the same in you, uh, hearing about your podcast and your work. Um, I think that I am fueled by a desire to be a helper. I think that in growing up I saw around me people who were trying to help and heal others and have been inspired to do the same myself. So I think we all use our talents and gifts and skills in the ways that best serve the world. And this is mine.
0: Wonderful. Yeah, I was just yeah, like I uh, yeah, you you <laughs> I was like all the stuff I was like you you touched my heart. I was like, "Oh my goodness." Like, you know, to deal because the the situation's um I know that this is not currently something that you were um, you know, uh facing, but I'm sure it has some elements um of it um on uh for domestic violence and things like that. You know, that's that's a tough um issue, and so, you know, most people would have um shied away from dealing with um those types of things. So, um I just have to say, wow, That's that takes a lot of courage.
1: I think the people whose courage I admire the most, of course, are the ones who are navigating situations that no one should have to, and women as it relates to the economic impact of the pandemic, and then you add to it the other ways in which inequality is baked into some of our systems and really makes it difficult for people to have the options that allow them to make choices for themselves and their families. Um, Survivors are some of the most creative, resourceful and courageous people I know.
0: Um, I guess um, during this pandemic, how would you say, what would you say? I know people have been affected affected in so many different ways, but I guess what would you say were the like um the top three that um that have stood out to you?
1: Well, certainly one of the things making the headlines that we're particularly concerned about is women's unemployment, the number of jobs being lost by women. Um, Losing the gains in terms of women's attachment to the workforce, as well as the potential losses related to the gender wage gap. In addition to women's unemployment, which is hitting women overall pretty hard, but in particular, women who are in unpaid or underpaid roles and Black and Latinx women. So that would be one thing. I think the other things that would make the top three for us are the fact that women are really on the front lines of responding to COVID-19, and then that women are more likely to be doing unpaid care work at home. And then even for the women who are able to work from home, they are responsible for a disproportionate amount of that household labor and care together unemployment, COVID-19, and this issue of the care work at home are really creating an untenable and deeply concerning situation for women. I think the first thing is just understanding that we're not in normal circumstances and that we need to be giving space and grace to folks who are navigating so many different issues at once. Think in a more concrete way, I would say that employers need to ensure that they are paying full and fair wages and quality benefits. Um, This is critical because of how women have traditionally um, faced a wage gap, but other types of inequalities as well. Um, We need to create a robust care infrastructure and strong workplace protections. So one of the issues that we have is that the child care system and then the overall care infrastructure has not been invested in in the United States and that puts women in a very precarious position because they're expected to both work and provide care and their value is, is not being compensated. Um, childcare in particular has been severely underfunded. It means that childcare providers have razor thin margins. It means that childcare workers are facing low pay and minimal benefits. And it means that many families don't have access to affordable quality care as well. And the United States is kind of an outlier when it comes to how we think about caregiving. Uh, we don't invest in our child care infrastructure. We don't have paid leave and this costs women and families all the time and particularly those who are at the bottom of the economic ladder. So. The the investment in that and as an employer, you could do things like provide childcare credits Um, for large employers, there might be options to provide childcare on site, for example. Providing flexible schedules that are actually driven by the employee, not by the employer and really thinking about whether or not there's flexibility, both in the work as well as in the schedule. Those are all some things that can be done.
0: Yes, yeah, so I guess one of the questions and because I um, on uh, another time I had uh, focused on uh, child care and child care, um, you know, uh, uh, keeps coming up, I guess. Why would you why I guess what do you think is um, fueling? Why is the U.S. not like other countries and um, and um, having uh, like uh uh, uh, child care be at, at the forefront um because the us um i don't know from the the image that i think a lot of people get is that um the image is the us cares um about its people and their families but then um i guess the reality is maybe not um i guess why do you think that child care has has not um been uh, uh fixed and now we're in this crisis
1: I think overall, because we devalue caregiving, and caregiving has been such a gendered responsibility in our society. So when we devalue caregiving, we also devalue caregivers as well. And those are predominantly women. So whether you're looking at unpaid care, or whether you're looking at paid care, we don't offer work family friendly policies, and we don't ensure that the people who are providing caregiving are supported in doing so. And for many women, they're faced with being in the position of not only caring for children, but also caring for their household and then caring for elders and their families as well. And we have had a long struggle with understanding that paid leave, childcare infrastructure are not extras. They are not optional. They are not something we should see as a nice to have. These are critical pieces of a healthy economy that allows for women in particular, but for everyone in our economy to truly participate in our workforce And to be recognized for the roles that we have beyond our jobs. And in a lot of ways, the American workplace, when you think about policies and benefits, has historically been centered around a very outdated and possibly never really even accurate vision of who the worker truly is. Right. So. Workplaces are designed around men who are the solo breadwinner in the household um, who don't have caregiving responsibilities. And that just isn't the world today where we have. Huge percentages of women who are either co breadwinner or primary breadwinner in their households.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes, actually that's what I was going to say. I think it's coming up to I forget. I think it's like at 40% or maybe even higher of how many women are are coming up to be like uh, the the breadwinner in their their home.
1: Yes, and and there are th- that is also racialized in the sense that women of color tend to be the co-or primary breadwinner in their families at even at a higher rate.
0: Yes. Um, One of the things with all this stuff happening, um, and of of course, all this, you know, this is a different discussion, but it all kind of ties in, is that, um, you know, a lot of people now are becoming obviously stressed out and uh, mental health issues are on the rise. So how would you say women are supposed to uh, cope and be successful during um, this time of uh, being, I would say, isolated in this situation? Uh, you know, and everything is just coming uh uh coming on on women like essentially all of life. <laughs> How would you say that women should cope
1: I mean I think women are coping as best as they can. I think that we have to, as a society, ensure that they don't have to cope that they are able to find solid footing and are able to thrive. We need to do better as a society, as a government, as institutions on supporting women.
0: Um, one of the things, because of all of this, that is, uh, I guess, um, what's happening and focused mostly on women, do you feel that they're being taken advantage um, during this economic uh, turndown or pandemic?
1: I think that. There are many ways in which we are still taking for granted the labor of women who are in low paid jobs and essential roles. So there's a way in which we have talked about being uh, appreciative of what essential workers do, recognizing the importance of what they do, You know, you hear about people cheering from their porches um, and calling essential workers heroes. Our policies and our benefits do not match that rhetoric. And so in that sense, I do think that women and who are primarily women of color who are represented in those roles, are being taken advantage of in the sense that they're being told that they're heroes on one hand, but they're not being treated like heroes in terms of how they're compensated, in terms of what benefits they have access to, including things like paid leave, in terms of what childcare is accessible or affordable to them.
0: Now, one of the things that I've been um, concerned about, and I'm sure um, you've been concerned about as well, is that um, uh, pre-pandemic, uh, the focus, um, along with a lot of issues, but one of the main things was trying to close the um, wage gap. And so now with everything, is the wage gap, do you think it's wi- widening, widening or is it going to be um, still uh, getting uh, to the point of closing?
1: So that is a huge concern that the wage gap is actually going to widen. Um, When women are forced out of the workforce and then come back to it, they often cannot command the same earnings as they could before. Um, The wage gap already was still not closing with any speed. Um, And women of color, in particular, were being left even further behind. Um, So when you hear about the wage gap, you often hear about the 82 cents on the dollar. That is on the average. So when you start talking about women of color, um, Latina women, women, for example, are paid just a little over 50 cents on the dollar to every dollar paid to a white non-Hispanic man. So we definitely had a situation going into the pandemic that already was deeply unequal. And with the women being forced out of the workforce, um, losing jobs, because they were overrepresented in sectors that were hardest hit by the pandemic, like hospitality and retail, for example. Um, there, There's real worry about that. And you know, we talk about the gender wage gap sometimes in terms of cents, like the 82 cents, for example. But what that actually means on an average in a year is over $10,000. And for some women over a 40 year career, it can add up to over a million dollars in lost wages. So I think we can all understand that those earnings would have been really critical to helping women, helping their families, do things like buy a home or get a car or help pay for their education or their child's education or help them save for retirement. There's so many economic choices that become restricted by the existence of the gender wage gap. And without us taking really proactive and intentional action, um, the gap really has only closed four cents in 10 years. Um, so we, we really have an issue in terms of the, the wage gap and the current circumstances. Uh, really, are threatening to make that even more problematic.
0: So you would say, probably realistically, um, where we are today, you would say it's probably not realistic in five years that it would uh, the wage gap would close. Sadly, no. I guess do you
1: ever think that the wage gap will close? I think it's up to us. It's not a accidental or unknown gap. It has specifics that draw it. Feminist movements have developed, we've found them to become more complex. And there's no single defining characteristic of of modern feminism. self. But many of the issues that faced us in earlier iterations of the feminist movement continue to be issues for us today. For example, whether or not we center the experiences of women of color and particularly of Black and Latinx women. Um, how we define women themselves and whether we're able to extend inclusion in how we talk about gender to non-binary, gender non-conforming and transgender folks. Um, And then really pushing up against some of the same ideas of gender that we faced and have always faced, ideas around what a woman's place is and limitations on what kind of work she should be doing uh, around how much she can contribute to society through her work, how her contributions via providing care to communities and households and families is valued. So I think some of the same battles continue. Um, and some of them have evolved. I think voting rights is another one. You know, we talk about the 19th Amendment and women winning the right to vote, but we continue to see issues around voter suppression, particularly of voters of color.
0: Um, one of the things that is, I think, always brought up and also uh, I guess why uh, why would you say that women uh, minority women are often left out of the feminist or women's movements, even though um, as uh, most people well I don't know if everybody knows that um, Me Too uh, was started by a minority.
1: I think that your question itself illustrates the issue, right? Uh, There are many people who don't know that Tarana Burke started Me Too. And they ascribe it to Alyssa Milano when she made the hashtag go viral. Or they associate it with really high profile white men who have been called to account, like Harvey Weinstein, for example. The reality is, is that Me Too is a multiracial movement, and it has been led by a Black woman and many, many people of color. And sexual harassment itself, if we think back to the early 90s, Anita Hill was an absolutely critical figure to lifting up what the experience of women in the workplace um, too often is. I mean, we continue to face issues around how sexual harassment plays out in different workplaces. Um, one example I can point to that is absolutely connected to economic security is the experience of women who are making subminimum wages. So these are folks who are like servers serv- at restaurants, for example. and. Many people don't know that a sub-minimum wage even exists, but basically these are people who are being paid less than the minimum wage with the expectation that the tips that they earn will make up the difference. The problem is, first of all, that everyone should be making a full and fair minimum wage period, that the tips should be on top not as a way to displace what your employer's responsibility is to compensate you for your work. It's also a legacy of slavery. And it also puts people who are in those roles at particular risk for discrimination and harassment. And our partners at One Fair Wage recently put out a pretty uh, disturbing report about the experience of harassment uh, towards restaurant servers who were experiencing not only a higher level of harassment, being told that they need to take off their masks in order to for the patron to decide how much to tip them. They were also facing threats related to telling patrons that they needed to wear their masks. And then on top of that, they were also experiencing a significant decline in tips. So more harassment, fewer tips, and a risk of, of harm as well. All of this comes together and puts these women who are earning subminimum wages at an intersection of risks that they should not have to figure out. So we see this issue of harassment, for example, as playing out a little bit differently in the headlines versus who's experiencing it on a day-to-day basis.
0: Hmm. That's, that's wild as you're telling me about the
1: it's extremely it's extremely uh disturbing to hear what people feel able willing entitled to say, and because the customer is always right in these situations, many of these servers don't feel protected by their managers even within the situation, the power dynamic is such that your customer is actually determining your wages so you may not feel like you are in a position where you can push back or confront this kind of behavior.
0: Yes. I guess one of the things that, um, with everything that, um, uh, that has, uh, I guess transpired, um, from 2020, um, one of the things that I think obviously that, that came up with everything is, um, you know uh, questioning our our values and i guess um uh would you say i guess that um obviously women are fighting to um get more equality and equity and um and to be valued more do you think um the way things are going that um that uh, we're going to um to to reach reach it or do you think we're we're spiraling down <laughs>
1: I mean, I see a lot of hope. I see a lot of hope in the work that is being done to raise up, amplify and illuminate the experience of women in the workplace. I think the fact that we're talking about essential workers, that we're talking about paid leave, that we're talking about childcare are all bright spots. Not enough because we have to do something about what we're talking about but the fact that we're talking about it at all is really important and we're seeing things like raising the federal minimum wage in the federal legislation right now being considered and we've also seen a push, and women employed certainly advocates for increasing the paid leave options, uh, increasing the investment in child care, ensuring that local and state governments are invested in, um, increasing stimulus checks and and eligibility for unemployment insurance. you know all of these things are really important to ensure that families are able to weather this storm. And in addition to all of that, we're seeing mutual aid groups, we're seeing people in the community reach out to one another to try and support their neighbors. And this is the best of who we are, right?
0: Um uh one of the things I wanted I have a, just a couple more questions for you. Um sure. just so that everything isn't um always <laughs> and just um spiraling to the negative. Um I guess uh, did you find uh, there were any um like any three um like three positives um that helped women during the pandemic? I don't know if there are any. <laughs> Some people no, told me they weren't there were none. <laughs> no,
1: no, I think that's a fair question. Um, I do think that for I think it has made kind of the the load that many women already carried and kind of carried somewhat invisibly a little bit more visible. I think that for people who do have the option of working from home recognizing that all not not all jobs excuse me allow you to work from home right but for the ones that do i think we've been able to demonstrate that it's possible and that will be helpful to many people to to be able to work remotely or work hybrid So I think those are, I think those are positives. And I think that, as I was saying earlier, I think we've really illuminated the experience of women, working parents, caregivers, and we're talking about it. And we're recognizing that home and work are not, as separate in terms of spheres of our lives as maybe we had treated them before i think we're also having really important conversations about things like student loan debt you know the vast majority of student loan debt is actually held by women and we're having real conversations about how to address that issue i think we're also seeing things like the positive impact of public policy. There are a number of pieces of research that have shown that if a place had paid sick leave, that there was reduced COVID-19 transmission. And we have to think about those things as intertwined, right, that it's our community's health and well being that we're talking about when we're talking about things like paid leave. And we have opportunity. We have real opportunity to make change that will impact millions of people. In Illinois alone, one of the things we're doing is advocating for paid sick leave for all working people in the state of Illinois. And we're hopeful that we will be able to pass that this session. And we invite folks who understand the importance of paid sick leave to join us.
0: Fantastic, um, I guess like uh, right now, just um, uh, one of the things I guess um, with women employed, I'm sure you guys are uh, beyond busy with, uh, with everything that is going on. I guess right now, what is um, one of your um, m- main focuses?
1: Well, as I just mentioned, paid sick leave is one of those main focuses. We're, of course, also supporting and advocating for the passage of as comprehensive as possible federal COVID relief package. Um, We think that the danger is in thinking too small, not in thinking too big. In addition to that, we're really interested in ensuring that our education and training systems are in a position to respond to the needs of people who may need to enter other sectors get other kinds of education or credentials than what they have right now and ensure that they're able to have as smooth a path to that as possible we know that some jobs may never come back So we need to be able to support the ability of people to pivot to doing other work. And that means supporting our workforce development systems. That means supporting our community colleges. That means ensuring that we have equitable access to post-secondary education as well. And then overall, we're interested in helping employers think about the quality of their jobs not just the quantity so the economy will bounce back at some point and people will be hiring and we want to make sure that we're not trying to return to a status quo that actually didn't work for a lot of people and instead are building forward and ensuring that the jobs that people have are ones that can support them and provide family sustaining wages as well as the protections and benefits necessary for someone to bring their best selves to work as well as to take care of what and who they need to at home.
0: Excellent. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, these are all uh, definitely like everybody was, uh, uh, what is the the saying? Everybody has returned to normal, but um, yeah, normal wasn't working.
1: (laughs) And it wasn't. So many of the issues that we're talking about, whether it's like the gender wage gap or whether it's sexual harassment or whether it's the fact that we have undervaluing of women's work or women's uh, women dominated industries, for example. All of those issues were there before the pandemic. In some ways, they've just been exacerbated or shown a brighter spotlight on.
0: Especially, I would say, especially the the child care issue. So I still, you know, the thing, not to be, um, I guess, uh, this of course logical, but I, I never... I, I when I think about it, and I guess maybe because I'm a woman, <laughs> when I, you know, I I don't I, I I don't understand how everybody has all these like uh you know don't give women uh more respect and value because everyone on the planet needs a woman to be here. <laughs> so
1: well, and you know it's similar to how we're working to address issues of racial injustice, right? These are very ingrained issues they are ingrained in our systems and in our institutions and it is just going to take intentional concerted communal effort to make those changes and we can do it
0: yes yes it's going to be a it's definitely an uphill battle Um, what would you say, um, it means to be a woman in 2021?
1: Oh, I think that's different for, for each of us. You know, I personally, I have a partner who's also working full-time from home. I'm working full-time from home. I have a child who's learning remotely, uh, I have parents who I'm concerned about who are in their 70s. um, And I'm also in a position of privilege. And I think that what being a woman means depends on a lot of those things. We have the opportunity to think of this as a way of creating more solidarity and creating an economy that is not just centered on an outdated vision of what a worker is. So I think being a woman is being on the threshold of change.
0: Hmm, Beautiful answer. Um, Well, thank you um, for your time. And uh, thank you for all your um, insight. It's been uh, wonderful. And so um, one of the things, I don't know if uh, right now you have any um, uh, programs that you would like to uh, bring attention to, to anyone that I can have our our listeners um, um, check out or anything.
1: I would uh, direct your listeners to our website, womenemployed.org. You can join our action network, which is how we make sure that very busy people are able to take quick but meaningful action in support of the changes that they would like to see. We also have a number of virtual programs, so we share information about that on our events page, including our annual working lunch, um, which is in May. I would just invite you to also sign up for our newsletter so that you can stay informed and be part of this community that is interested in building forward. And I also have to absolutely point out, uh, paid sick leave, as I mentioned before, in Illinois, um, we are really in a position to make a huge difference to 1.5 million Illinois workers. And the fact is that it should not be an extra for you to get paid sick leave. It means you're taking care of yourself. It could be that you're taking care of a family member, but you're also taking care of your colleagues and your coworkers and the public you interface with by being able to take paid sick leave. It just makes sense and it's well overdue.
0: Um, thank you again, Sharmili for your time and insight. Um, once again, if you'd like to learn more about Charmilly or to uh, donate or to become involved, go to womenemployed.org um, uh, slash get involved. Um, if you have a passion for an underserved community, a social justice problem, or simply want to ch- uh, change minds, contact uh, Project Good at Project Good Work to start your project of change today. Uh, Thank you to our listeners for tuning in to Project Good,
1: where we are focused on what matters.